Ah, yes, Wednesday Wisdom, our first show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Michael Loftus, Loftus Wealth Strategies. Have my good friend Jonathan Bartholomew with me. Uh, so let's kick off with the uh, introduction of who we are. Jonathan, go ahead. Well, my name is Jonathan Bartholomew, and I'm an investment advisor and owner of Rockridge Wealth based out of Syracuse, New York. I have been in the business for a little over 20 years. Uh, during that time, I've been a financial advisor, I've been a sales manager for a group of advisors, and a program director for a credit union wealth management program. And during that time, uh, I would say that my, my keen focus and interest has been proactive risk management. That's, that's been uh, uh, kind of a hallmark of my career and, and kind of what fasc fascinates me about the industry the most, to be honest. And uh, in many ways, that brought you and me together, Michael. Yep. So. Yeah, exactly. So, but that's well, great. Well, great. Well, let me introduce myself. My name is Michael Loftus. Loftus Wall Strategies is the name of my firm. Like Jonathan, I have a registered investment advisory firm, meaning we act as a fiduciary, very passionate about the markets, constantly learning, growing. Uh, we'll go through the process here, how we do manage money, but also do financial planning and tax planning as well. Based in uh, Bethany Beach, Delaware. I like beach communities. My other office is in Pontra, Vidra, Florida, which uh, I'm heading to tomorrow morning, which is why we're actually recording today's show uh, and putting it out on Wednesday. But going forward, we will be a live show. So today, let's talk about our agenda. As you saw, we're going to talk about macro, markets, and money. So macro, okay technical we're going to talk about some charts and then we're going to give some retirement planning ideas in this case retirement planning complaints should be interesting so jonathan give me your quick thoughts on what macro is i would describe macro as kind of an all-encompassing term for all of the economic data right whether that's uh, employment non-employment numbers inflation uh, manufacturing data retail sales the price of oil all those things go in and drive economic growth or slowdown in growth. And uh, that's that's all encompassing into what makes up macro. I would agree with that. So macro is a baseline of our process. We look at that rate of change. And from there, we can make other decisions of where we are and where we're going right now. We believe we're in what's called stagflation. Growth is slowing and inflation is ticking up okay speaking about inflation so the first big macro point this week we'll address is cpi which is inflation okay so cpi first thing i'll make a point of is we're probably looking at a 3.8 and above number again we expect it to go higher but that is rate of change that is not what inflation is folks i think we all know that we're paying 10 15 20 maybe 25% more than we used to. Orange juice soaring right now, kind of one of those odd macro data points. But uh, Jonathan, thoughts on CPI upcoming and in general? I would expect that the CPI report should show uh, that inflation has coming in line with expectations or perhaps even hotter. You know, gas uh, prices, oil, diesel prices, food prices, beef, you mentioned orange juice. Uh, all of those are just been incredibly high and not relenting. And so, you know, to see inflation cool, which is what the Federal Reserve wants, and that's what the stock market wants, does not seem likely at the moment. Uh, 
And so my expectation is for, for kind of a hotter number. Yeah, I would agree with that, no doubt, and uh, which would result in higher for longer <clears throat> as far as the Fed keeping rates higher. Although we had a couple of Fed chairs come out yesterday and talk about we're not going to raise anymore because the bond market is up so high and we're going to get to the bond market in a second. But uh, yeah, the next one we'll point out, I think, is retail sales. The consumer, a lot of people, Bank of America CEO, they're strong, right, because they're spending Sure, they're spending. They're spending on their credit cards, which is not a good thing. Uh, a lot coming up that's going to probably hurt retail. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think that retail sales are under a lot of pressure. And, and you, you said it. Uh, people are using their credit card, and we can see that as credit card data, right? Credit card balances are at record highs which is that's not a healthy sign. We have credit card interest rates at record highs. And at the same time, we now have student loan payments that have been in deferment since very early in the pandemic that are now having to start back up again. And many of those people are the ones that have high credit card balances. And so, uh, you know, retail sales here, I, I would expect consumers to be spending less uh, with the exception of, do they have any room left on their credit card? But uh, as anyone watching this would know, you know, when when you got a mountain of debt and you just add more to it, you're just pushing the can down the road. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's you know, you got to see this number probably come down in some some manner. There's no doubt for all the reasons you discussed, and not a believer in a consumer, uh, particularly being strong. So. Uh, next up, right, let's move on to the markets, and let's get a little bit technical here. I think the first thing is going to be treasuries, which is has been the story, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. The first thing here, I'll talk about this, and I'll move it over to the next chart, but you're looking at a 40-some-year channel, right? And we came way above it, breaking above this channel and starting to see numbers that we have not seen uh, in quite some time. So let's go ahead. Let me go to the 10-year of where we are right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Treasury yields clearly are on the verge of breaking something in the market. Uh, there's no question. And they've broken out of their long-term downtrend. And, and we have yields just screaming higher. And and uh, what, what, what should scare most people is that I, I actually think there's still room for Treasury yields to go higher. And but but Treasury yields, th this is probably the most important chart that, that we'll even look at today, I would argue, uh, as if if yields can come down, you might see a relief rally in the stock in the stock market. But if yields continue to climb higher, uh, I, it's hard to see anywhere but but downward pressure for stocks. Yeah, okay. You know, a couple things. One, for viewers that may not know, you see this line going straight up. When yields go up, prices go down. Okay, so we've seen significant losses over the last few years in bonds, uh, upwards of 40-50%, depending on the duration. The longer the duration, the bigger the loss. I think here, short term, uh, you know, we had this move today. The bond market was closed yesterday for Columbus Day. And they're saying this because of what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I think you've got two other factors. One, if inflation comes in hot, then this is going to be higher. 
Two, mm-hmm. who's buying bonds, right? We know two of the biggest bond purchasers are China and Japan, and they're way down from 30, 35% to 7% collective. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the Fed, excuse me, not the Fed, the Treasury keeps on printing. So if you don't have buyers, how are we going to bid this down? So I think that this week uh, inflation is going to be, you know, is going to be the factor as it pertains to the bond market and, you know, a big to be determined. So next up, let's take a quick look here. Let me refresh the charts. Wow. Okay, so this is SPY, which is the S&P 500 ETF, and that's just silly. I'm looking at what's going on, like we talked about in the Middle East, and prayers out to all the folks in that region. I mean, come on. How? Why is this market up now 1.7% in the last two days with all this geopolitical conflict? Is What, what's, what do you think is going on here, and where do you see things going? In the short term, I think that we, from a technical perspective, I think we got oversold. You can see those those red candles down there, and, and there was some pretty steep selling. And so I, I think what we're seeing is just kind of randomness from the standpoint of you're getting a little bit of a bounce because we were, in the short term, a little oversold because the market never moves in a straight line in any direction. But But I agree. I mean, ultimately, it's crazy. Consumers are squeezed. Inflation's higher. The, the Fed can't let their foot off off the the throat of the economy by cutting rates. They have no room to do that, and and so the, the setup here is not favorable for stocks. Not in the intermediate term. Yeah, I think you know a couple things. I'm going to bring out my pen. Right for those who are not aware, up top this is what's called relative strength. You know, we went, and that's what he meant, oversold, right? You, we were down here for a little bit. You know, now we're at 50. So 50 is kind of an interesting place to be. Uh, is it going to come back? But really, to me, from a technical standpoint, you see here, right, that blue line. A couple things about that blue line. That's the 50-day moving average, number one. It's sloping down, which is not good. Okay, but there's your resistance, Okay, that is your absolute resistance. I I can't see us going above this. You know, one, we still don't have a Speaker of the House. We've got some serious geopolitical issues going on right now, right? Um, the market, you know, the data, the macroeconomic data is not strong, to say the least. So let's see what happens. Uh, at this point, I know for, from my standpoint, I'm just trying to be patient here and see where we go from here. So, you know, the next question is, you know, we talked about inflation. So let's get down over here. And here's XLE, okay? XLE is the uh, is an ETF around oil, oil companies. So why, why don't you give us a thought here on what's happening? Obviously, uh, I think just overall from a macro standpoint, and then what's happened in the last couple of days. You know, the oil energy sector is one of the hardest things to kind of map out. Uh, it, it's so many things that go into play. And geopolitics is, is the immeasurable one, right? Like you and I can, we can look at charts and we can do math, but but no one knows what Saudi Arabia or Russia is going to say to, or do tomorrow. But, but clearly the setup, uh, in my view, is that the energy sector remains bullish 
And that's part of what we talked about before yeah. with usually in times of inflation, like what we got, uh, and it's hard, it's sticky and, and it's hard to get inflation down. And, and so I would expect energy prices to remain hot. Uh, I, I'm not convinced that the top is in for, for oil prices it would not surprise me if we saw that ramp back up into the nineties and, there, there are a number of pressures that, you know, Saudi Arabia and Russia have have agreed to restrict oil production uh, through the end of the year. Uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is at some of its lowest levels almost ever. And, uh, you know, so the U.S. government doesn't have a lot of wiggle room to to try to release more oil to yep. to uh, try to bring prices down. Uh, the setup, the setup for oil prices is not good for consumers. Yeah. So from a technical standpoint, I talked about that 50-day. So here you have the 50-day going above the 200. That's called a golden cross, okay? So I, while you were talking, I drew that line, right? There's your uptrend. So we're still in an uptrend. You know, we had this bounce to the downside. Um, and again, I think that uh, all your statements I would agree with for right now, right? I, I know for me, it is my largest holding. Uh, in inflation assets, not just oil, we've got uh, probably about 10, 11% in totality as far as inflation assets uh, as we go forward. So we'll see. Uh, again, I think there's a lot going on here, especially with the geopolitical, which is going to also uh, determine um, you know, where we head as far as the oil prices. You know, I'm not going to get into in this year and that year and previous crisis. Let's just see how it plays out. Okay, mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot to be determined uh, in, as this week and the weeks go on. Uh, uh, we'll see a lot of change here in that overall market. So, all right, so we've gotten through a little bit of macro. We did a little bit of technical. Uh, why don't we go ahead and get into um, our retirement side, right? The money side of things and retirement planning. You know, here's, you know, these are some things. Um, I've got a YouTube channel. I get some questions. So I gathered a couple questions and I figured we would go ahead and address just a couple here so we can keep under our 20 minute mark. So the first one is my advisor takes on too much risk. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, that's a. That's For a, a guy who dollar. just said he likes to trade the markets, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, th that is a very big issue. And one where I would say that the investor, the client, and the advisor uh, clearly have some form of miscommunication, and they they should start back from scratch. So, uh, you know, I, I, that's where they need to kind of look at and see what is the level of risk that the client is willing to accept. Now, this is where I love to remind clients. You know, risk is, moves in both directions, markets up and the markets down. Mm -hmm. But clients don't care about upward risk, right? No, yeah. no one's ever complained to you, Michael, that you made me too much money too fast. I'm sure yeah. you've never heard that complaint. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. the complaint can be if you have a bad month or you have a bad quarter or a bad year, th then people say, well, you know, how come? And, and they get upset and, well, it was too much. And so knowing that the markets don't move in a straight line, and that there are times where the market moves against you, uh, then then you need to determine with your client how much volatility, how much risk 
can you handle? And you got to remind yourself of that in the bad times. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I have a lot to add to that. You know, I think this is the point of having two advisors, good friends, but not affiliated, different opinions, right? Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't disagree with anything you said there. The only thing is, you know, from my standpoint, I think that, you know, we try and maximize returns in up markets, and that means taking on some more risk in up markets, but minimizing that risk in down markets, right? I think mm -hmm. that's our process. I think we both agree on that as well. So, and mm -hmm. making sure you're on the same page with the client. No question. I mean, I've had a client, and you've had a client, had someone, you know, last year, oh, you know, you, you should be here, here, and here. And I'm like, well, you did a risk tolerance questionnaire. We've discussed this. You said you're moderate. Mm -hmm. well, these are moderate returns. We're above and beyond moderate returns, but it's not enough for you. You, you know, right. so uh, again, I think I agree making sure. And that's why we meet with our clients regularly and make sure that we uh, do get those kind of conversations uh, updated as we do meet with them, whether it's verbally or through risk tolerance questionnaire. I, I use one analogy with clients that, that I'll, I'll just say quickly, which is investing is like driving your car. If you're going to get on a throughway and you're on the on-ramp, you got to hit the gas. Yeah. If you don't hit the gas, that's actually dangerous. But when you're on the off-ramp, you need to know when to hit the brake. And so investing is very similar. You need to know when to hit the gas. When do you take risk tactically? And you need to know when to hit the brake and when to offload that risk. And it's not a perfect world. We're never going to get it perfect, but that's what you're trying to do. Great. So let's let's wrap up with one more here. Uh, it's about fees. And this individual said, you know, they don't feel like they're getting the service for the fees. So let me start with this one since you tackled the first one. You know, mm -hmm. for me, fees, a couple things. Right. Um, I'm a fee based advisor. OK. As an RAA, this is how we do things. OK. And our fee is all encompassing. So it's for money management. It's for financial planning. It's for tax planning. It's for everything. We give, we believe, we offer quite a bit of value for that fee. So, uh, and that fee is structured based on assets under management, up or down, pr pretty standard, I would say. Mm -hmm. But if your fees are too high for this individual who asked this question, you know, how can fees get high, right? And I'll say, uh, you know, one, what are they charging for your financial plan? For us, if you're not a client, we'll charge for a financial plan, but that's included. So, you know, I've had people charge $5,000 and I've said, hey, can I look at that $5,000 plan? Because it must be really special. That seems pretty high, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's other ways. So so what are your thoughts when it comes to, to fees and, uh, you know, this individual? I mean, it's fees and service is what the question is about. Yeah, fees, fees matter. Price matters in the absence of value. And so if the advisor isn't providing value, then maybe the price is too high. And, uh, you know, if I think, I think the client needs to determine whether or not they, you know, is there value there? Can they go and do it on their own? I, I think that's one of the big challenges facing most financial advisors today, right? Because most financial advisors are not proactive when it comes to risk management. They might like that phrase, but they don't actually do anything, right? That, yeah. that 95, 90% of the industry is passive. Well, that's not proactive, right? Yeah, passive absolutely. is the opposite of proactive risk management. And so that's the vast majority of the industry. And so if, if your advisor is in that camp of a passive strategy and is 
charging you what you think is too expensive, I would say there's likely a good chance of that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What are you paying for? You can get a passive strategy for free on the internet. I mean, yeah, if that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, great. So I think that uh, wrapping things up here, we went through uh, just some high-level macro, right? Talked about a couple things there, showed some charts. Our first show, kind of dipping our toe in the water here. Uh, and then some questions from uh, some viewers here. Now, so you know, we will be going live next time. Our next show will be October the 24th. We'll do it at 4 p.m. after market close. Uh, the goal is every two weeks. Uh, for me, I'll have it available on our YouTube channel, Twitter, LinkedIn Live, etc. You name it. Jonathan will have it on your Facebook page after after production. But uh, but yeah, that's it. That's all I've got. So thanks so much for everyone watching. Jonathan, any uh, closing thoughts here as we head out? Thanks for the invite, Michael, and uh, I look forward to next time. Great. All right, everyone. Thanks so much, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing everyone soon. <laughs>